2: Welcome to Scuderia F1 The podcast that's always up to speed With the latest Formula 1 news Follow us on Twitter At Scuderia F1 Pod And subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Now, here are your hosts Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay
0: Good day Good night And welcome to Scuderia F1 The podcast that is always up to speed For Formula 1 September 13th 2018, Mark Daly, with myself, Kevin Larme. Hello, Mark.
3: Good evening, Kevin. And we got another Grand Prix coming up this weekend, and it's kind of interesting because uh, we should just tell our listeners that just before we went uh, to air here, we were reminiscing about the, the old times. I was just telling you about uh, my—I I, I dropped the money to get the subscription to F1 TV. I was just—we were just talking about how one of the full Grand Prix that they have in the archives is very fitting to the weather outside uh, my house here in Vancouver today. It's been <laughs> rainy and wet and cool. Very much like Spa 1998, the Belgian Grand Prix, and that was that's one of the ones that is in the archive, and it's a classic. That's when David Coulthard spun out and took out <laughs> half the field yeah. on the opening lap and then eventually got back into the race after the restart, only to have Michael Schumacher <laughs> crash into him in the back when he was lapping him and led to that Infamous incident when Schumacher went back to the pits on three wheels and then went storming down to the McLaren garage to uh, confront David Coulthard. So uh, a real classic from the archives and definitely well worth a watch if you can watch that on F1 TV or anywhere else.
0: That was a different time, right, where you had the the so-called third car, like the backup, where... Mm -hmm. You get into an accident, there's a red flag, the race is restarted. You see drivers running to the pits <laughs> to try to get into the third car just in time. Yeah, that was that was a fun time. Uh, it's going to be a fun time in Singapore. This race is always very interesting. But you know what has been interesting so far, Mark? The silly season. The silly season. The, the, the brunt of it is over. We now know almost every single seat. Uh, there's a few... Seats that are still up for grabs, but the majority of the big seats, especially in the big teams, are all confirmed. And the big news coming yesterday was Charles Leclerc leaves Sauber for Ferrari, and Kimi Raikkonen leaves Ferrari to go back to his first love in Formula One, to Sauber. Isn't it
3: interesting, Kevin? Because it seems to have been like the worst, I wouldn't say worst-kept secret, but the most almost inevitable move in Formula One over the past, I don't know, what month, six weeks that, that Kimi was going to go or or, or or Charles was going to get promoted to, to Ferrari. But it just seemed like it was going to it just lingered way too long and even got to the point where there was like a, a petition on change.org that something like 70, 80,000 fans signed for ferrari to to petition ferrari to keep Kimi Raikkonen in for another year or two because they said it was an unwarranted change but amazing stuff uh i mean it's great for Charles uh, obviously and Kimi going back to where it all started and there was even some rumor earlier this week and i don't know if it's subsequently been uh, confirmed but if he races for them in 19 and 20, that perhaps after that he will go into management with Sauber or something. I mean, it's it's really been, like you say, I mean, it's, it's been the silliest of silly seasons, I think, <laughs> for a very long time.
0: It, it really has. And if you go to McLaren, we know it's going to be Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. The mm-hmm. only team so far that has been really quiet about their seats next year is Haas Racing. We have no idea who's going to be driving a Haas. Could be Ocon, because Ocon could be one of the drivers missing a chair in the musical chair right now. But let's go back to Kimi Raikkonen and to Charles Leclerc. Let's start about the positive for Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, a Ferrari driver uh, in the... Uh, Anti-chamber of Ferrari. He was in development for Ferrari for a few years. And his rise to stardom. His rise to Scuderia Ferrari has been quite impressive. Formula 3 champion in 2016. Formula 2 in 2017. And this year he's doing pretty well with a Sauber. Even got a sixth place in Formula 1. Really getting everything out of that car. And the fact that there's a big partnership between Alfa Romeo, Saber, and Ferrari, I don't think is a stranger to the decision of Ferrari to do give that seat to Charles Leclerc. But what a positive for him. And for me, I called it a month ago on this show uh, when there was a rumor where Kimi Raikkonen was maybe going to be announced as a renewal contract for Ferrari I mentioned well if I was Ferrari which I'm not but I guess if I would have <laughs> been I would have chosen Charles Leclerc to bring some youth to bring some new energy to, to maybe even bring competition versus Sebastian Vettel not that he's stuck into a comfort zone but the amount of mistake he did to do this year and even last year he should be leading the championship in 2018 if it wasn't for his silly mistakes on on the track and some of those mistakes are almost because of a lack of attention or, or lack of, of concentration and bring him competition bring him a obligation to perform because someone's going to be breathing down his neck i think it could be useful and i'm quite happy with the decision of ferrari but i have to say charlotte Leclerc has been maybe one of the most impressive driver this year anyways
3: well, you're right, Kevin. I mean, you look at what Charles Leclerc has been doing in the Sauber compared to to Marcus Ericsson. I mean, he's been able to really exact every little bit of performance that that car has to offer. I mean, obviously, the Sauber is not a Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a big gap between the two. But I mean, it's definitely a step forward from the car that they've had over the past couple of years. But it's just impressive to see what he's been able to do. I mean, the last couple of races, he really hasn't had the the, the results there. Obviously, in Spa, he had the big crash with Fernando Alonso, and just a, a couple of the results haven't been there. But I mean, he's been very impressive in qualifying. His race pace has been uh, impressive, and just what uh, what he's been able to do with the car is just uh, has really kind of shown. Okay, well, if, if this what this guy can do, in was one of the the I I don't want to say one of the poorer cars, one of the slower cars in Formula One. What could he potentially do in one of the best cars, if not the best car, in the entire grid? And it's interesting what you're saying because uh, about Kimi Raikkonen, because I think we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, is that I think that Vettel, like you say, just hasn't been pushed because I think just naturally he's just that little bit quicker than Kimi. He's just been able to. You know just stay ahead of him just uh, naturally and kimmy really hasn't been able to to push him i mean it you know monza obviously being the one big exception i don't think that anybody really saw kimmy reichen and coming out of nowhere and really nailing that and, and stealing that pole position which uh, obviously Sebastian Vettel was very unhappy about when he heard the the race radio at the end of the qualifying session when he found out that uh, he was P2 behind his teammate. He was obviously not very happy about that, but he hasn't had anyone to push him uh, at Ferrari. Obviously, he's been teamed up with Kimi since 2015. Because we saw that one year in 2014 when he was still with Red Bull, how uh, he was really pushed a lot by, uh, by or sorry, not by Sebastian Vettel, by by, by Daniel Ricciardo, who was still, well, I mean, he's only just turned 30 now. But uh, a guy that was kind of making his big move into one of Formula One's bigger teams and uh, how Vettel, I think, uh, really, I think if you were Vettel, I think it was a good time to move from Red Bull to to uh, Ferrari because you've done everything that uh, you could do there, winning four world championships for in drivers and constructors. And then, uh, you know, you, you've got a younger, quicker teammate that's starting to outperform you. So what's it going to be like now at Ferrari with Charles there uh, with uh, with Vettel? It's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. And it's interesting, too, one final point here, Kevin, is just how Ferrari has done something very un-Ferrari-like and sort of yeah. joined this youth mo- uh, movement that was really sort of kick-started by Max Verstappen a couple of years ago because I mean you got Charles now at Ferrari. You look now at the young lineup that you have at McLaren with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris who's been given that second seat. You look at Red Bull now with Max Verstappen and Pierre Gasly. It's 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 really interesting to see. And I mean Ferrari's never given an opportunity to a guy as young as Charles before.
0: Well, the only time they did, it was in nineteen seventy eight with a certain Gilles Villeneuve. So It is interesting how it's Frenchmen getting, (laughs) at least francophones, Frenchmen, (laughs) French-speaking, getting a chance at Ferrari when they're young. Uh, There's something to that aspect that you mentioned. I think there's something, too, where, for once, Ferrari doesn't want to let the F1 world pass them by too much while they're on top or close to the top. Usually, Ferrari is a team that will be conservative in their decision And I think a lot of those decisions were coming from the top down. With the passing, the unfortunate passing of Sergio Marchioni this year, it brings new people in charge. And it Mm -hmm. puts new people with new mentalities in charge with a younger background, too. And I don't think those things are stranger as well to the decision to to give the chance to Charles Leclerc. And Kimmy's not going far, he's just going. Uh, to a partner, of Ferrari, to Sauber, where he used to be at. And we probably see a future at Sauber, maybe even in management if needed. And for Sauber, too, what I think is very beneficial here is there's going to be more and more involvement with Alfa Romeo, with Sauber, with the Ferrari partnership. And if there's someone that was available in the peloton of, of F1 drivers that knows how to... Work those parts, the that engine, the drivetrain, the power, the MG UK, and does know how to develop a car is Kimi Räikkönen. So for the future, <laughs> Absolutely. for the future of Sauber, this could be beneficial because Räikkönen can help this car be even better, which is not necessarily something Charles Leclerc can do right now. He might be able to do so uh, as soon as he has more experience, which can come really quickly. But at Ferrari, he's not going to be asked to make the car better. When you're there, it's drive the car, the car is fast already, get the most out of it. Not necessarily figure out what's wrong with it. And I think that could be very good for Sauber and Raikkonen in that partnership. The amount of F1 cars that Raikkonen has driven, which is very different, right? Because he has driven different type of engine in three different eras of Formula 1 in many different team from sauber to ferrari to lotus back to ferrari and now to sauber different type of engines different type of drivetrain different type of aerodynamic packages and he can bring his experience of all this together to maybe down the road in three years make sauber more than a back-of-the-pack type of team even maybe Competing versus the Racing Point Force India and competing with the, well, I was going to say Williams. They're already beating Williams. But competing (laughs) with the Red Bulls, even maybe, if they can get that knowledge out of Raikkonen. So so that aspect of this deal, I don't think, is a stranger as well for Sauber to embrace a veteran like Kimi Raikkonen. That that for some reason, we can't read his face and we can't really read his mind because he's the Iceman. But he wants to continue to drive in Formula One, so why not take advantage of that knowledge?
3: Well, exactly, and I think, uh, like you're saying, you're making a number of good points. And going to Sauber, I mean, he will be very much involved there, and it's just another move uh, that this team has been making over the past year or so that really sort of indicates that you know we're not content to be the back of the grid and be the laughing stock of Formula One anymore. They obviously have a new life in the team with uh, Frederick Vasseur as the team principal. And obviously, uh, I, I mean, they're obviously benefiting from the partnership and the relationship that they have with uh, Ferrari. But getting a, a guy, a driver with uh, the experience of Kimi Raikkonen, like you said, mean, he's a world champion. He's driven for uh, Ferrari, McLaren, Lotus, uh, and, and Sauber, of course, way back then, and all those different areas that you're mentioning. I, I mean, why wouldn't you want uh, a guy like Kimi? I mean, he's still got pace. I mean, he's still... Not quite as quick as uh, some of the other guys all all the time, but, I mean, still quick enough uh, that uh, I think that he could be uh, very useful uh, for them. And I think it's a a very good move. And it's it's interesting, too, what you're saying, that uh, how about uh, Sauber is is already beating a a team like Williams. I mean, talk about two teams that seem to be Uh, going in completely opposite directions.
0: Totally opposite direction. When you look, I'm just going to pick up my pen that I dropped. That's what you heard. (laughs) But when you're looking at... Sauber, with the money of Alfa Romeo, with the money of other sponsors, and with the influx of energy this team has this year. I've been close to Sauber this summer when they came to Montreal, and they have a different energy than the last two years, I have to tell you. And they're, they're more optimistic about the future. They almost folded one a year and a half ago, and now they're really optimistic of what the future will bring and the results possible with this team. And Williams, it's the exact opposite. Losing the Martini sponsorship for next year, losing the Stroll money, because Stroll's not going to go there. Uh, Sirotkin is almost a given that he's not going to be back. And you find yourself having a floundering team heading into 2019, and the future of Williams has never really looked as dark as of right now.
3: Well, that that's true. Absolutely, because if you look at where they've not really been going, there was an article out on motorsport.com a little bit earlier this week, something to the effect of how they were blindsided by the success that they had in the uh, the early hybrid era, so say uh, 2014-2015. but not even that i mean they've really sort of just fallen off the the, the, the precipice in the last year and i mean regardless of the the, the money that Lance stroll and Sergey sorokin are bringing it, it's interesting just sort of some of the the excuses and the reasons that they're they're bandying about but i mean it just seems to me it's a, a team that has completely lost their way and and to me that comes down to ineffective and weak or weak leadership and I, I mean you you have a mercedes engine you have the the benefit of decades of Formula One experience where you've been winning races, you've been winning drivers and constructors uh, championships and even though they haven't won races in in recent years, I guess, what was it, Maldonado won the, what was it, the Spanish Grand Prix and was it 2012? I mean, it's been a while since they won, won a race, but even up to the point, I'd say uh, at the in 2016, when they still had Felipe Massa and uh, and and Valtteri Bottas there, they were still competitive. They were sort of in that best of the rest uh, category. And and the drop off that they have experienced in 2017, and especially th- in 2018, I- is massive. And I mean, uh, like you're saying, it's questionable who's going to be driving for them next year. I mean, it just it's obviously inevitable that Lance Stroll will end up at uh, at Force India because hey. You know what? Uh, Lawrence Stroll his his dad is the the head of the consortium that bought that team from the VJ Malia and and it, it's amazing just how their form has uh, sort of really changed in the past couple of races. Just having that injection, being able to have some cash flow again, and uh, well, and were, see how they were progressed good. up through the.
0: I was just gonna say, Mark, that they were not bad at all before that too. It's just that they they could go forward with the plans yep. of the new kit, the new Aero kit that's coming for force india uh, this uh, this this weekend so so they just could go forward with the plans they have that were put on hold because of the financial situation uh, of the former owner but you're right when he's talking about who's going to drive a williams next year we we kind of know sergio perez has been confirmed for next year and yep. well lance stroll is not confirmed but i think there's a very high probability we see him <laughs> in pink Next year, if not by the end of this year, if not by yeah. the end of like next Grand Prix.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, all it really leaves is the, the the question marks now surrounding who's going to drive for Williams next year, and who's going to drive for for Toro Rosso because Toro Rosso obviously right now is Brendan Hartley and uh, and um, uh, Brendan Hartley and Gasly. And, Gasly, and Gasly of course is going to Red Bull, and Hartley obviously
0: is not doing uh, well. <laughs>
3: not doing well I I mean he's had his his opportunities and you if he was going to show some more you, you would expect it at least to compare to you know your your teammates but the the difference between Pierre Gasly and Brendan Hartley is is vastly different and I think that's Ultimately, what's going to sink him. Plus, you know, you already had the rumor a couple of months ago that uh, Toro Rosso had already uh, approached uh, McLaren to sign uh, Lando Norris on some sort of deal to race for what was it this year, the remainder of this yeah. season, and, and next year, and obviously Zach Brown was not going to let uh, that happen. And obviously, once uh, Fernando confirmed what he was going to do, that uh, that really changed that. But there, there still are potentially up to four seats available for next year. And one of those uh, seats, it really makes you wonder what's going to happen to Esteban Ocon. He's a guy that's been in Formula One, for about a year and a half now, got a couple of races at the end of 2016, raced last year. And he's done very well. I mean, uh, I mean he's been very competitive with his own teammates, with uh, Sergio Perez. He's kind of gone back and forth. The guy obviously has the talent. Uh, he's a guy that uh, that Lewis Hamilton, four-time world champion, one of the best drivers ever, obviously, says is a guy that should be in Formula One. But I don't know if it, now this ties that he has to Mercedes as a Mercedes uh, a junior driver or contracted drivers just kind of made that uh, unattractive to, to to some teams because he could be the one guy that when the music stops, he doesn't have a chair. And that's what um, former Formula One uh, driver and DTM boss Gerhard Berger said would be uh, a, a real shame. And it it would be. And uh, sometimes, well, I guess, you know, Formula One isn't fair. I mean, it's obviously... Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, uh, it, it's it's a it's a real harsh environment, full of predators. But uh, still, you would think a guy that's that's acquitted himself very well in uh, in the short time that he's had of the sport would uh, would have a place to race, but uh, maybe not.
0: <laughs> now we're moving into the the speculation aspect here. Yeah. But look, Absolutely. Esteban Ocon, Mercedes ties. Williams gonna need drivers, so I imagine that Esteban O'Connor will be a Williams driver next year. That would not surprise me. But there's a few other names that have popped up over the last few days. Certain name that comes with a lot, a lot of scrutiny. You know where I'm going with this. A, a certain MS coming from Germany, mm-hmm. who's leading the Formula 3 championship right now. Mick Schumacher, could Mick Schumacher, could be an F1 driver before long, would he accept going into a subpar team like a Toro Rosso, if need be? Would he accept... Because let's not forget, Mick Schumacher comes with with money, too. He has money of the estate of Schumacher, and that could help him get some backing in Formula 1. He has a name which does entice sponsors, too. So if you're Williams... Would you go with maybe Esteban Ocon, Mick Schumacher for next year? If you're Haas, you have a Ferrari engine, Ferrari parts, Schumacher, Ferrari, even though there's Mercedes links there too. Most famous times for Michael Schumacher where were in red. So Mick could be well there. Or Mick could be well at Toro Rosso if he wants to. So, so those are the the scenarios that I imagine. I imagine that Esteban Ocon will be fine, and I imagine that Stoffel Van Dorn will never drive Formula One ever again.
3: Hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, uh, Kevin, because when you think about it too, it's just like uh, if you look at Mick Schumacher, it, it's just uh, like you say you've got not only the 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 money behind him, but also the the marketing thing and the the, the power that's you know the the Schumacher name uh, brings to the sport i mean y- you look i mean both his dad michael seven time world champion and his uncle michael's uh, younger brother ralph who won half a dozen grand prix himself during his uh, career yeah, in formula true. 1 i mean he you was he was fast obviously not, not not as fast as michael and I mean, but i mean in the history of formula 1 not as many guys were as quick and maybe not necessarily as ruthless as Michael Schumacher but uh, definitely I, I just wonder with the background that he comes with would the the, the Schumacher management team would they be hit would they be like, would they be I guess really depends because he's what 19 20 he's he's sort of like in that late teens as well would they want to put him into a situation that maybe isn't with a uh, necessarily one of the best teams. I mean, we know that it worked out for Michael. I mean, he raced uh, with Jordan, and then in very quick succession went from Jordan uh, racing, what was it, 1991, 1992, thereabouts, and then went into Benetton, and from from there, history wrote itself, right? Uh, A little bit different uh, for the next generation, having Michael and Ralph paving the way for him, but... I kind of wonder you know what how they would try to get themselves uh, in into the sport, obviously he have to prove himself a little bit, but I don't know uh you know <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what sort of situation they want to you know kind of uh, i don't know tolerate Just tolerate a good word yes, I guess
0: tolerate or accept accept uh, yeah uh, another name that I came across that I saw race in Montreal last year in a formula e, the winner of the Montreal Formula e Grand Prix is Jean-Éric Vergne, who has been seen in the Toro Rosso uh, headquarters last week. And he was a Red Bull slash Toro Rosso driver. He was yep. in the antechamber of Formula One. Will Jean and, and he got a raw deal back then, too, when Verstappen came in and took his spot at Toro Rosso. Will Jean-Éric Vergne maybe make a comeback to Formula One mark?
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's another interesting name that uh, that gets t- tossed out there because, of course, like you say, he raced for a couple of seasons uh, in Toro Rosso, uh, and then in uh, 2014 uh, that was his last uh, last go with the team because that's when uh, Verstappen joined. Was the year after that? Then he spent some time as a test driver at uh, Ferrari. But uh, like you say, I mean, he's done very well in, in Formula E, but would that, is that enough to get him back to the, the, the top flight uh, of motorsport when you still look, uh, you know, there's another couple of names that are floating around there. Uh, Robert Kubica, who's the reserve driver at Williams. He's had some testing over the past uh, year or so, obviously, um, you know, he just hasn't had that crack to get a race seat. And he's been saying this week, well, uh, you know, if there, there's no formula one seat on offer soon, then I'm going to go and look, uh, look elsewhere. I mean, Obviously, most of the, the the looks that we get for Robert Kubica nowadays is uh, seeing him standingly, so, somewhat patiently in the Williams garage while Sergey Sorotkin and, and Lance Stroll <laughs> unsuccessfully yeah. tried to compete for points. Although, uh, you know, uh, they, they did fairly uh, decently at, at Monza, which was a, a bit of a surprise. And then, of course, another team that we haven't even mentioned yet is Haas, uh, Roman Grosjean. Rogro has had his, obviously, his ups and downs not only this year, but his uh, entire career. So, I mean, there star- are still options uh, out there, and, I mean, it, it's not completely set in stone for, you know, four or five uh, race seats in, in Formula 1 for next year. So it, it would be interesting to see whether jean Eric Vergne uh, could uh, could muscle his way or finesse his way back into, into Formula 1. Definitely, it would be interesting to see.
0: If you're Red Bull, you can afford now Not necessarily have two young drivers at Toro Rosso because you have those two young drivers at Red Bull, and technically, you should be good at Red Bull for the next four or five years, right? You have Verstappen, and you have Pierre Gasly, two young drivers. Your lineup should not change for a few years, until a Ferrari or Mercedes tries to buy one of those two drivers. But until that point, you kind of don't have necessarily to to develop another young. Crop right now, you can afford to have one youngster that may be in your driver program taken over at Toro Rosso, A- and maybe you, which Brendan Hartley was part of and then wasn't, and it was brought back mm-hmm. uh, in late 2016 uh, emergency, well to 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 replace, and he did pretty well, and he did the entire se- well, last year, I mean, and then he finished this year with the entire season, but it's not going according to plan. And there's a very high probability that Brendan Hartley will not come back next year as a Formula One driver. So so maybe you do go with one of your young driver program, one dry young driver, and then surround him with kind of a veteran that knows a lot about cars, different type of cars, drove different type of series, went to Le Mans, like jean has has, uh, has an extended knowledge of different type of race car that he could help mold this young rookie into a prospect. And I think maybe that's the way to go if you're Red Bull, because you do have your two young drivers with your main team. So you can afford maybe to work on a project and have a mentor with that work in progress. So maybe that's where Red Bull will go with Toro. But you're right about Haas. Haas is maybe the most unknown out of the possibility for, for drivers for next year what are they going to do are they going to pick up everybody's everybody else's scrap will it be I don't know Ocon if he doesn't find anything else but maybe Ocon's Mercedes uh, ties will hurt him there maybe they'll uh, pick up uh, a Verline out of nowhere which has disappeared uh, off the face of the earth for this year but maybe they will pick him up there's a few options. I doubt that they will turn themselves into to Van Dorn. I think Stuffel Van Dorn has uh, not shown his worth so far in the two full season, almost two full season with McLaren. And I do feel that Sergei Sirotkin is not necessarily proving himself as well. So I'm not expecting those two, but those two could be possibilities anyways for Haas if they're just looking at anyone out there.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I would expect to actually see K. Mag back at uh, Haas for next year. He really seems to have fit in well to that team. He seems to be pretty stable and and pretty consistent uh, for them. I mean Grosjean just, uh, I mean, he's had his moments again this year. I mean, like spinning out like he did on the first lap in Spain, and then crashing into the barriers under the safety car at Baku. So that really hasn't uh, done a lot. Uh, You know, I mean, they they should be, uh, you know, um, collecting points on on a regular basis. and, and, And Magnussen's been far more consistent uh, doing that. But there's another name that I want to just throw out there that seems maybe a bit of a long shot, but uh, maybe not, depending on which uh, seats uh, still remain open for for next year. And that's uh, George Russell, who's the uh, he's the reigning GP3 champion and he's uh, competing now in Formula Two. He's the um, Mercedes reserve driver, 20 years old. So, I mean, uh, much like, say, uh, an Esteban Ocon. I mean, he has those, uh, obviously, Mercedes ties, so it would be unlikely to see him get into, say, the Haas, which has a, a Ferrari uh, engine in the back, or, say, perhaps if um, uh, Marcus Ericsson wasn't to, to go back to uh, uh, Sauber for 2019, that would seem unlikely. So could you see a guy like George Russell slipping into a, a race drive at uh, at Williams? Hard to say. It, w- it would be interesting, but there, there are plenty of options uh, out there. And, uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody take uh, Grosjean's uh, seat. I mean, he's had enough kicks at the can not only this year, but, I mean, he's been around in, in Formula One for a while. And just, uh, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, mentally he has his lapses and, and uh, quite notably <laughs> and quite spectacularly in some cases.
0: And that goes back, well, we're going full circle because that's one point I forgot to mention about Raikkonen and Sober. Kimi Raikkonen just look at this weekend in the first lap, where he could have or the second and third lap where he was battling Hamilton. He could have gone a great service to Sebastian Vettel by just taking out taking out Hamilton. Right? It would have been so easy to even make it look like an accident. But no, he's not that type of driver. He's not that type of person. And he's a good teammate. But he's going to drive and he's going to do the way he's supposed to do with his car. And for me, he's a total gentleman on the track. And he's not going to put the car in trouble. He's not going to wreck a lot of cars in practice. He's not going to cost you a lot of money of overtime for the mechanics to repair a car late at night. Like, just ask Red Bulls. Their, their their payroll is probably really high because of the amount of time Verstappen last year and Ricardo. So, so... That really goes well into the Sauber aspect of trying to save money, too, where he's not going to wreck a lot of the parts of the car. So that's interesting. And maybe Haas is going to think the same thing with the Grosjean or something. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. But uh, when we're, we're going to try to uh, to wrap the show very quickly, Mike. But yep. it is interesting that uh, Haas is the only team so far with two seats not confirmed.
3: Yeah. And uh, like like you say, Kevin, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, if Grosjean is one of those guys not to get a seat uh, renewed for next year, uh, just going back to what we were saying just now about Jean-Éric Vern. perhaps that's a a possible landing spot uh, for him. But uh, just to sort of finish up the the thoughts here. Sebastian Buemi.
0: Let's not forget Sebastian Buemi, too. Buemi, yeah.
3: Another name, yeah. Another guy that's had uh, Formula One uh, experience and it's uh, it's by no means uh, set in stone what's going to happen for some of these ones and uh, the the silly season is not uh, officially over just quite yet but the season is starting to to wrap up and after sebastian vettel's latest incident at the uh, the italian grand prix dropping more points uh, to lewis hamilton makes this year's singapore grand prix which goes this weekend all the more crucial for Vettel and his title challenge uh, for this year. Of course, last year was uh, spectacularly... Uh, it was basically where it was all finished last year is that that, uh, that start where he collided with Kimi Räikkönen and Max Verstappen on that slick track. And then Lewis Hamilton romped home to a win four and a half seconds ahead of Danny Ricciardo and uh, Valtteri Bottas to take the, the honors there. And that basically put uh, put paid to the, uh, the, the title for the, the Drivers' Championship last year. And, of course, uh, Vettel has had his moments uh, this year, and he's slowly losing ground uh, to Lewis Hamilton. And just a, a quick reminder, as we dim the lights here in the Scuderia F1 studio, Lewis Hamilton still on top with 256 points, 226 for Sebastian Vettel. And then Kimi Räikkönen way back in third place with 164. Valtteri Bottas with 159. And so Seb has got to start, you know, reeling those points in it. I wouldn't say it's must win, but it's pretty much maximize all the points that you can. And, of course, I think uh, the, if things continue the way that uh, they've been going, the constructors will continue to be tight. And hopefully it is uh, going down to the uh, the end of the season. And, of course, this year, again, it is only between Ferrari and Mercedes. Mercedes currently leading 415 points to 390 for ferrari so not a very big gap only 25 points there so that should be exciting and kevin that's all i got for this week
0: as always you can follow myself on social media at kev Laramie. you can find the podcast version of this show anywhere you get your podcast look for scuderia f1 podcast or for the sports podcast network and mark will let you know where you can follow himself
3: you can give me a follow on Twitter at MarkJRDaily, and that's daily with an EY at the end, and the podcast Twitter feed is at ScuderiaF1Pod. And uh, give us a follow, send a tweet our way or my way. Love to talk Formula One whenever I get a chance. So let's connect on social media.
0: And until next time, for Mark Daily, I'm Kevin Laramie. Have
2: a great Formula One. Thanks for listening to the Skidaria F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to skidariaf one podcom Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at skidariaf one pod at gmail.com.